Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with pastor of Reunion Church in Dallas, Texas, Richard Ellis. He'll take the next few minutes to encourage us with Christmas hope and to challenge us to learn more and grow closer to God's greatest gift, His Son, our Savior, Jesus. It's the 25 Talks of Christmas, a different holiday-themed talk each and every day, all month long. Of course, you can always listen to, download, and share this or any talk anytime from the 25 Talks of Christmas Advent Calendar at richardellistalks.com. So let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Mary Had a Little Lamb. And I want you to turn, if you will, first of all, over to a book by the name of Exodus. We're going to look at chapter 11. And if you find Genesis, go to the first of your Bible, it's Genesis, and the next book is Exodus, so it's not really that hard to find. But Exodus chapter 11, and I'm going to read you some out of this, and we'll also look over at 1 Peter and then some verses out of John. But I want to jump over here and give you some background so that a verse that we'll read in John will make more sense in a minute. What has happened in the first few chapters of Exodus in 10, 9, 8 in there, if you recall the story of Moses and him leading the people out of Egypt into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land where they ended up, there were a lot of plagues and there were frogs and just a number of things. You flip back through and you have headings, you've got lice, you've got livestock with disease, there's hail, there's boils, there's flies. I mean, it's a nightmare for these people. But the last thing that happens, the last plague that finally breaks Pharaoh's back is the death of the firstborn that's announced. And let's start reading in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. And for some of you, this is a very familiar story, but for others, it may be the first time you've read and even seen this in the Scriptures. And it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people, and let every man ask from his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. Now, some people think that this little thing right here happened after the plague, but it's interesting that all of these Israeli people, the Jewish people, went to their neighbors and started asking them for silver and articles of gold. Just no reason, just God said to do it. So they went and asked, said, can, you know, if you got something, silver or gold, you'd like to give me? I mean, why in the world would anybody give you anything like that? I mean, if somebody knocked on your door and said, hey, I'm here to get some silver and gold. You got anything in the house? Maybe silver service, whatever you got. So they go to their neighbor, every woman from her neighbor, articles of silver and of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Now, I guess these people figured that all these bad things had happened and it had something to do with these people. So give them what they want. And there's a reason why they got it up front, because in a minute, literally all hell's going to break loose, and there wasn't time to go collecting all these things, so they had them already. So remember that. They've got all this silver and gold already in their possession. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Verse 4. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. And I think there's also a misconception here that it was all the firstborn males. It was firstborn anybody. Animal, humans, 
Like if you had a daughter, your firstborn daughter, your son, your firstborn son, no matter how old they were, if they were still alive at that point, if they were 50, 60 years old, if they were the firstborn, they died. So he says he'll go through all the land, the firstborn of Pharaoh, all the way down to the servant who is behind the handmill, all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel." And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out and all the people who follow you. After that I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. And it says Moses going out in great anger. And there's stuff in here I've, for some reason, have read through this fast in the past and hadn't noticed. But it's interesting to me that Moses left angry. Why would Moses be angry? He had just told Pharaoh that all the firstborn female male of human and animal would die, and it was about to happen pretty soon, he leaves there angry. It makes you, now see if you've ever had this feeling, and I don't know that I have it right now towards anybody specifically, but there are times in my life when I see people who are just doing stupid stuff, including me. But there are people who are doing things, who are going just behavior or lifestyle relationships, and you look at them and think, don't you see what you're involved with and how stupid this is? I mean, it's not ignorant. It's just stupid. You're going to end up in so much trouble. There's going to be so many problems. The consequences are unbelievable. With some people, it may be taxes. It may be the government's money. Other people, it may be God's money. With other people, it may be a relationship. You're living with somebody. Are you just, you know, having sex out of marriage with somebody? And you wonder why there's so much commotion. And I look at these people and some, you know, they'll come to me and say, well, Richard, this is going on in my life and I don't know what to do about it. I say, well, here's the obvious thing to do about it. Stop. You know, you're doing the wrong thing or you need to start doing this because you're not doing it. I mean, it's a no brainer. They say, well, no, I don't want to do anything about that. I say, look, you're asking for help and wisdom and direction. It's a no brainer. Do the right thing. Because if you don't, these things are happen. And there's a point where you talk to people and you warn them and you encourage them to do the right thing. And after a while, you just get mad. Now, am I angry at him or them? You get angry, not so much at the person, but at the consequences. And you see how it's devastating their life. And I guarantee you, we can go around the room and there are either people here who are being devastated by wrong decisions. Or you have a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad. It's drugs. It's alcohol. It's something that's destroying their life. And you look at them and you pray for them. You say, why don't they get it? And Moses walks out of this meeting. He went out from Pharaoh in great anger. Verse 9, but the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. He's not going to heed you so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his hand. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 12. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. He changes their calendar and bases it on theology, not on months. And he says, when you do your calendar from now on, you're going to start it now. This shall be the beginning of months. Verse 3, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. 
Your lamb shall be without blemish. Now this is important, verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a spotless lamb, a male of the first year. It has to be a young lamb, a male lamb within the first year of its life. And you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Verse 6. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. So the 10th day, he says this, to do this. Then you keep it to the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. So they take this lamb on the 10th. And there's a lot of symbolism, and I don't have time to track all of this, but I'm going to give you some of these things. If you go into the New Testament, and if you remember when Jesus went into Jerusalem before the Passover, which this is what's described, the Passover, he went in as the triumphal entry that's described where he comes in on a donkey and they all put palm branches down and, you know, hail, here comes Jesus. When he comes into town, he enters Jerusalem on the 10th day of the month. Now, why is that so important? Because he is the lamb. And this whole thing of Christmas that we celebrate is the fact that Mary had a little lamb, but the little lamb wasn't an animal. It was a son, Jesus, who came. And as you see, and we track this in Exodus, what the lamb provided in Exodus to these people who were about to escape God's wrath and literally escaped Egypt, the lamb in the New Testament and the new Passover lamb is a person. It is Jesus himself, and we'll make some parallels here on that. Look what happens, though, again in verse 7. They've killed this lamb at twilight, verse 7, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Now, why in the world would you take blood from this lamb and go outside the house? What good is blood going to do on the outside of a house when you're on the inside of the house? They took this lamb, they slaughtered the lamb, and they were supposed to consume every bit of it. They boiled it and ate the whole thing. And anything that was left over, if you read on, they were supposed to burn. And they took this blood and took some branches and spread blood on the doorposts and on the side posts of this door. For what reason? It wasn't for them. The blood was not to be seen by them. They didn't need to see it. The blood was there for God to see. And the same thing happens in the New Testament when Jesus comes and dies on the cross, is buried and raised from the dead. His blood is sprinkled in heaven for God to see. I don't see that blood, but it's sprinkled in a place where God can see it. And when it comes time for me to be judged and God's wrath to be poured out on me or you or anybody else, he passes over me in the same way that he passed over them. And the movies try to depict this, but there's no way in the world, guys, to imagine what this would have been like. The cry that went out in this country, in Egypt, when this night hit and these lambs were slain, and these people ate these goats or lambs as described there in verse 5. They eat all of this, they put the blood outside, and this angel of death comes over Egypt. And everybody who has not consumed this lamb and whose this blood is not on the outside of their house, the firstborn in that house was killed, whether male or female. Every animal, every male, every female of that entire country died. And if you continue to read on, look down at verse 12. He says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And I think this is amazing in verse 12. He doesn't just say that he will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt of man and beast, but it says, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. The Egyptians worshiped gods. 
that didn't exist, but behind these gods were spiritual forces, demonic forces who motivate people to worship idols and the wrong thing. And God says, I'm not just going to take the firstborn of man and animal. I'm going to execute judgment on the gods of Egypt. So it went from the spiritual to the physical realm as well. I am the Lord, he says. Verse 13, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now let me make this as simple as I possibly can. I don't care if you're religious or non-religious. If you can get this, if you understand what happened here and you understand that Mary had a little lamb and when Jesus came, he came as the ultimate sacrifice. He lived a perfect life so that he could be without blemish and he died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead and when his blood is applied to your heart and your life where God can see it, then he passes over you. There is forgiveness for you. There is mercy for you. There is grace applied to you in the same way that it was to them. But even more so, these people just escape death physically. We escape death spiritually because we have this personal relationship with Christ. What difference? You know, there are people that say, you know, they'll tell you, there are even churches out there now that don't even talk about the blood. And there are these researchers out there that will say, you know what, if you have church and you talk about Jesus' blood and his death and the cross and all this gory, gruesome sounding stuff, people won't come, they won't come back. Let me tell you something. You got no reason to be here if it's not for Jesus' blood. If Jesus doesn't die, if his blood is not shed and his blood is not applied to your heart and your life, you are sunk. Now this blood is available to anyone and it's not a lamb, an animal lamb, it's Jesus the lamb whose blood you must apply to your heart, to your life, to your past, to your sin, to your guilt, to your shame, whatever it is you have. And it's one of these things I think that is left off amazingly in a conversation with people about Christ. When you sit down and talk to someone about a personal relationship with the God of the universe, do not leave out forgiveness of sin. One of the greatest needs for anybody on the planet is to be forgiven of sin. And I talk to enough people and hear this from their own lips, everybody's got a past. And if we went around this room and I said, starting right down here, we're going to go row by row and say, what have you done? Where have you been? Who have you done it with? What have you said? Do you have any regrets? Some people say, oh, I have no regrets. Most people I talk to got some regrets. There's something they've done. There's something they've said. There's somewhere they've been that if they could go back and change it, they would. Now, I can't change the actual facts that you've done these things, but I can tell you this the consequence between you and God can be removed because of the blood of this lamb that was slain, as the Bible says, before the foundation of the world. All right, keep reading down here with me. Verse 14, So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And he goes on to describe some of these things. Flip over to verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Stay in the house. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Now, what do we do? We don't observe as Christians today Passover. We celebrate Easter. But it's the same time. It's the same celebration. The Jewish people, they celebrate Passover 
doing what it says to do, waiting for the Messiah to come. We as Christians believe that he has already come, and he is the Passover lamb. He is the one that died and took the place of all this slaughter that went on back then, year after year, eating this Passover lamb. He is it. Now flip over to John chapter 1. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 1, verse 29. And it'll make more sense here when John says this. John is Jesus' cousin, as you remember. Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. John the Baptist was Elizabeth's son, and he was born three months before Jesus. And then Jesus followed him, but John was sent to prepare a way for him. And one day, John is out baptizing and looks up, verse 29, and says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said, That's the Lamb. That is the person. That's the Lamb we've waited for. They knew what a Lamb was, a Passover Lamb. But he said, This is the Lamb of God who will literally take away the sin of the world. And then over in verse 35, and again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. John says of Jesus, this is the Lamb. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now keep going to your right to 1 Peter and chapter 1 and start reading at verse 13 and tie some of this together. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, not fear as in trembling, but fear as in reverence before God, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. You weren't bought back from an eternity separated from God with silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now I want you to go back up and look at verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, such as gold and silver, from your aimless, this is what I want you to look at, this phrase, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. There is so much stuff that goes on out there, and I think specifically he's talking about religious stuff. And I'm not knocking anybody's church out there, guys, but make sure that what you're doing is tied to truth and not just to tradition. There is so much time spent jumping through hoops, doing things that mean absolutely nothing, and he literally says here that they are aimless. And all of your aimless conduct, all your aimless traditional things, he says here, are not going to fix it. It is only, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
There are so many religions. There are so many traditions. There are so many denominations. There are so many things out there. And they say, okay, well, you need Jesus, but you also need this. And you need Jesus, but you got to do this. And you need Jesus, yeah, that's true, but you got to have this stuff out here. And if you just boil it all down and break it all down, guys, you get down to the basics. And the basics are this, that Jesus came born of a virgin. Mary had a little lamb. And his fleece was white as snow, literally. He was without blemish. And if you know this lamb and you understand that he lived a perfect life, died, was buried, and raised from the dead, and you come to him and understand that this lamb's sacrifice offers you eternal life freely, no charge, you can't pay for it with silver or gold, and you come to God and say, God, I don't deserve it, but I need it, and I'm going to receive it and take it, that is enough. You say, but what about this? What about baptism? There are people out there that say, if you don't get that and baptism, you're not going to make it. And I know there's people that feel that way. But guys, I'm telling you, the thief on the cross was not baptized and he made it. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. The basics are this, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and understanding that he's coming back. Heaven's a free gift. You can receive it, say thank you and take it or say no thank you and reject it. If you have that, you have him. And there's nothing else beyond that. If you do, no number of hoops and doing this for God and trying to perform and be a good person that's going to earn your way into heaven. It is an absolute free gift. You say, but what about all that other stuff? Here's my question. Who came up with it? If you can't find it in the book, guys, ditch it. Now that scares some people. You say, yeah, but my grandpa, they all did this. Where is it in the book? There's a lot of stuff these people were doing that 1 Peter's written to. And he says... Guys, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things or from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God decided how he would get this done before the world was ever created, before the slab was ever poured for creation. He said he would do it through Christ, through his blood, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. The foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead. Here's the gospel. Believe in God. He was crucified. God raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, why am I going over this over and over and over again? I want you to be comfortable and understand some things in the scriptures where you can sit down with someone else and the basic stuff that they know about Moses, about Egypt, about the plagues. If they've seen the Ten Commandments, there's things that you can take and say, you know what, remember... In the Ten Commandments, they had to sacrifice this lamb. Here's how it all fits together. Christmas, Easter, Jesus came. Here's the whole purpose of it. It's not just about coming to church and listening. It's about being the church and speaking and leaving a place like this and sitting down with a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, a friend, somebody and saying, look, I don't know if I can get all this right and understand everything I know about it, but here are the basics. And if you've got this, you've got everything. And whether you understand what you got or not is inconsequential at this point. You can learn. But if you don't have Jesus, you got nothing. And if you don't have his blood applied to your life, your past, your present, your future, you got nothing. And I encourage whoever it is today that's hearing this, that maybe you've got a lot of religious stuff and you think because I've jumped through these hoops and performed and done these things that God's going to listen to me or God's going to accept me. He will not take you for any other reason but the precious blood of his son, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, period. Scripturally, that's it. You either got him or you don't. And I highly recommend today 
that the lamb that Mary had, you have too. And apply that blood to your heart and your life and ask him to come live in you and through you and change your life and the life of the people around you. Thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. This program has always been about not only providing daily encouragement, but also daily challenge to help us grow in our faith, to continue being shaped into the person God desires us to be as his hands, feet, and voice to our hurting world. You know, not only is that the mission of the Richard Ellis Talks program, it's also the great commission of Pastor Richard himself to clearly share the simple message of the gospel in a way that leads people to Jesus, to reach everyone together. So these 25 talks of Christmas this month is a creative way for you to reach a friend with some encouraging teaching. We've made it real easy for you to do just that from the website richardellistalks.com. You'll see the Christmas Talks Advent Calendar, where every holiday-themed talk can be listened to, downloaded, or shared right from each day's door. The website is richardellistalks.com. So before we part ways for today, I'll remind you that you can automatically receive a direct text on your phone each and every morning that will link you to the most recent Christmas talk on the website Advent Calendar. Simply text the word Richard to our toll-free phone number, 855-6-RICHARD. That's the word Richard to 855-6-RICHARD. All this month, it's some Christmas words of hope, insight, and encouragement during the holiday season, when perhaps we need to hear the message of Emmanuel above the rest of the seasonal noise. So to automatically receive the daily link, text RICHARD to 855-6-RICHARD you'll have these 25 talks of Christmas whenever and wherever you're ready to listen. So until we get together for the next Christmas talk, thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.